Turns out President Abbas is an anti-Semite. <laughs> you don't say. Israel talks Turkey, a diplomatic reset with, yep, Turkey. And how to find out what's happening in your neighborhood? Well, maybe an app can help. There's one being developed and I have the details. Those are just some of the things happening in the world. And there is so much to talk about, as usual, and laugh about. Because my mother said my last episode was a little depressing. So today we're just going to laugh the entire time. Like, no holds barred. This is going to be a great show. We're going to offend a lot of people. Just kidding. Although I'm not here to make you a better person. Just a happier one. Okay? So let me tell you, friends, hard work pays off. Don't be afraid to... Start something new, take something on by its horns, and make it successful. And that's a really good feeling, because here we are with a podcast that's doing phenomenally, and I am patting myself on the back. So go me and go you for sharing the podcast and telling your friends about it, or just go me, because, you know, I can't count on anyone. I'm just letting this happen organically. Hashem calls the shots. Okay, what is happening? You know, when I see president, I don't even like calling him president because he's president, what president? Dictator Abbas, dictator of the Palestinian people, accusing Israel of 50 holocausts in public. I, he, I, he doesn't even dignify a title. I don't understand how a terrorist with a terrorist face and a terrorist voice gets a platform in the world arena to spew his stupidities, his hate. It's not even hate. It's just pure, unadulterated anti-Semitism. And we repeat his his verbiage, his garbage verbiage on the news. And we just, everyone's listening and talking about it like anything he says should matter. Why does he even have a microphone in front of his face? I don't understand. The Palestinians are cultivating a generation of violent, bloodthirsty terrorists. We just passed the anniversary of the Hebron massacre in 1929, where hundreds of Jews were just butchered to death by Arab terrorists. Oh, by the way, I know this is not quite <laughs> the humor you were um, anticipating, but we will get there. Serious stuff first, just, just a little bit of it. Anyways, you guys know I love podcasts, The Pulse of Israel. And if you don't know the Pulse of Israel podcast, I would recommend you listen to that episode where Avi Abelow reads a detailed description of what took place in Hebron on that day. So I tap on his podcast and I listen to him read a excerpt from a survivor's story, a survivor from the Hebron massacres and the way they describe the tens of thousands of bloodthirsty Arabs with sharp knives and all kinds of weapons of destruction and violence, massacre all of the citizens of Hebron practically. Just kill them all. They, they describe the scene when they brought the survivors in. This is a family-friendly show. I can't even listen to his podcast. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. But the point is that how short are people's memories? Okay, I don't want to delve into this because I'm going to get really worked up and today we're supposed to have a good time and I don't want to get distracted. So that's the story that appears to be everywhere. Um, along with another story about Israel having a diplomatic reset with Turkey. So from what I understand, I, as of two months ago, Turkey was the most dangerous place an Israeli can be. And now everybody shook hands and everything is la-di-da. I don't know. I feel like sometimes Israel is so quick to just shake hands. But what do I know? I don't know anything. I just know that the Arab countries are unreliable as allies 
of peace with Israel. They're inconsistent. You can't trust any of them. So the whole thing is like, okay, great. What else? As long as there's a good kosher turkey sandwich in the Turkey airport, which there is thanks to Rabbi Mendy Chidrick, I suppose we can go visit once in a while. Okay, I seem to be talking a lot about apps lately, and that's because we're innovative and we're creative, and Jews have all kinds of, you know, we're Iber, Iber Chachams, and we have all kinds of great ideas, and we make apps and stuff. So this is pretty cool. It's, it's completely in development. There's not even a name for the app. But I thought about this when I go out and about, and because I'm in the event business and show business and entertainment world, it's hard to keep track of what's going on where. Like there's flyers being passed around in WhatsApp groups or stuck up in shoal or handed out in backpacks. And sometimes it's just you you don't know what's happening tonight. Wouldn't it be great if there was an app where you could just know what's happening that night so that you can just drop what you're doing and be like, kids, tonight we are going out. So just get into the car before I change my mind, right? Wouldn't that be fun? So there's going to be an app that provides that service. Three 20-year-old Israelis who have a goal, and their goal is to help Jews living across the globe stay connected to the Jewish community. So I imagine that this app will include all kinds of stuff, show events and concerts, hopefully, and anything that's happening that people can can access with an app instead of having to you know scour sources like Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. This is just going to be a one-stop shop for all your Mordechai Shapiro needs. You want to go to a Mordechai Shapiro concert anywhere in the world at any time? Maybe you're a super fan. Maybe you want to be at every single Mordechai Shapiro concert. Well, now or soon, there's going to be an app that will let you know where Morty is playing tonight. I actually have a great idea for an app called the Is Mashiach Here Yet app. Every morning, you get a notification that says Mashiach is not yet here until the day that you get a notification that Mashiach is here. And if you're like Charlene Aminoff, you have a suitcase packed by your door ready for Mashiach. She shared that on the Living L'Chaim podcast episode. And I thought that was so cute. I mean, if I put anything by my door, it's a bag of garbage for my husband to take out. But that's only because we live in Israel, in Beit and we're 25 minutes from the Kotel. So we don't have to pack. Nah, 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 kish, kish. I just have to say, it is so nice to have the tourists pack. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Not that tourists are terrorists, they're amazing and we appreciate and we love them, but there's a lot of them. <laughs> you know, it's Bein Azmanim here, and Bein Azmanim means that the yeshivas and the schools are on break. And there's only like six weeks of this year. There's three weeks between summer and Rosh Chodesh Elul, and then there's the three weeks before Pesach. You have to keep in mind that Israel is not a big country. And we don't have Disney World, and we don't have the Grand Canyon, and we don't have Las Vegas, Baruch Hashem, for that. So when Yeshiva's out, everybody's out. It's summer vacation, and everybody is everywhere doing everything. It's not like you could find a great vacation place that nobody knows about. Everything is packed. <laughs> Every single entertainment venue, swimming pool, bowling alley, restaurant, the arcades, the hikes, the trails, the rivers, Every campsite, the indoor malls, the outdoor malls, the beach, every shul, all the restaurants, every public bathroom, Israel is packed with people, and that's why I am staying home. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't mind traveling, and now that Turkey and Israel have reconciliated, um, I'm thinking that maybe I will never go to Turkey. I don't understand this, Mishigas. So, uh, again, a month ago, everyone was terrified of Turkey, and... Iranians were catching Jews in the street and people were being uh, called home and now we're best friends again? 
obviously they need something. So they're changing their tune. They have a new government. And they were just like, oh, Israel, hey, hi, guys. You know, forget that whole thing where we're mostly anti-Semitic Arabs that hate Jewish people and support the Palestinians. And that little stint where Israelis were completely unsafe in our country. Forget all that. You know, this is a new page. Let's start over. Let's be friends now. We'll take full advantage that Israel appreciates diplomacy. And then we'll start acting like barbarians again when it's convenient for us. But hey, we have kosher turkey sandwiches in our airport. So shalom aleichem. All right. Now, sometimes you overeat turkey sandwiches and then you feel horrible. I know that's how I felt up until recently when I reached out to Elanit. And I said, hey, Elanit, I know you from Insta. I met you once in Yerushalayim. You have a great energy. Can you help me kick the sugar habit? And the rest is history. I got on her plan joined a WhatsApp group. She was in touch with me all throughout the day with incredible videos, voice notes, recipes, all part of her take control of your food challenge. It's plug and play. You sign up. It's a free three-day challenge. Everybody's invited. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It takes five seconds and that's it. She will bring the rest. She will bring all the positivity. For three days, you'll get an email from her. You can start implementing all her tools right now for a healthy lifestyle. It's not about diets, measuring, counting, weighing. It's about her personality. It's about her support. It's about how much she knows about sugar and how bad it is for you. So head over to my show notes. Click on the link. Subscribe to Eleni's free program. You will not regret it. I know Eleni. She's a ray of sunshine, but she's also a tough cookie, and she will get you where you need to be. Jews and food. Well, we have a long, complicated relationship. Let Eleni help you, give you the tools to be mindful before you eat, control your binges, plan your meals, and still all under five minutes a day. The link is in my show notes. Getfitema.com/slash/mykajabi. All right, let's talk about what's going on in. Canada, specifically Quebec, where I went to school for three years and learned in French, all of which I forgot, s'il vous plaît, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry in French, j'excuse, that's it, <laughs> okay. Quebec Jews feel less accepted and hopeful about their future, especially for the younger generation, since the province's secularism law, Bill 21, was passed in 2019. Now, I remember back in the day, this was like in 1994, there were basically uh, Jews in Montreal Quebecois, the Frenchies, as we call them, the Arabs and the Indians. That's basically who was on the train when I used to go to Eaton Center um, on the metro. And while it was fairly safe, I definitely felt a little overwhelmed by all the dark-skinned people, you know, excuse my French. So according to an article in the Canadian Jewish News, which I do read because my grandparents on both sides were from Montreal and I lived in Montreal and because I have Canadian listeners. So hi, everybody in Montreal. Uh, que pasa? I mean, bonjour. <laughs> oh my gosh. I really forgot all my French. Anyways, back to this article. About half of the people who live in Canada do not feel safe as Jews, which is ridiculous. And basically, this is because of Quebec's secularism law, Bill 21, which was passed in 2019, it basically declares the province's commitment to secularism, or les cités. Um, it also imposes a dress code on several categories of provincial civil servants, including police officers and teachers. That means they can't wear clothing, a symbol, jewelry, adornments, accessories, or a headwear that's connected to a religious belief or could be reasonably considered as such. I suppose if you are an Arab, Indian, 
or Jewish teacher in a public school in Quebec, you cannot wear a hijab, uh, you know, a borsalino or a turban. So this law was hotly contested in the province and across Canada. Several people from religious minorities who have been forced to choose between career ambitions and religious faith are challenging this law. But regardless, the law was passed, and here we are a couple of years later, and what do you know? The Jews are feeling the heat. And I suppose when you draw attention to religion the way Canada is, when you see Jews wearing kippahs, and when you see Jewish women wearing headscarves, it's just another opportunity to take it out on the Jews. Because whenever there's tension in a country, and whenever people are getting onto each other's nerves, everybody turns around and points at the Jew and says, Hey, you, Jew, who are you? (laughs) Let's go get him. So, you know, Canadians are feeling the heat, Canadian Jews, I should say. Because the whole politicization of religious symbols in a society, you know, it always worsens the perception of minority religions. Now, the reason that we're dealing with this and the reason why they are trying to ban burkinis and, you know, hijabs around the world is because of the Arabs. And the Jews just end up being the targets because there are so many more Arabs and nobody wants to start up with them. But it's not because a kippah is offensive or because a Star of David on a teacher's neck in a public school is offensive. It's just because, you know what they say, that's why we can't have good things. It's because of of Meshuggah behavior that we lose out. And that's always the way it's been. It's no news. So anyways, this is for the Canadians listening. I know you like your pre-Pesach winter storms and your poutines and your hockey and all that jazz. But it's time to move to Israel. It is. And we do have snow. We have snow for you up on the Hermon. You can live up north. You can live in Svat where it's freezing. And we promise to look the other way when you put gravy and cheese on your french fries. Sava, Did you know that Bibi Netanyahu has a new book coming out? He has an autobiography due in November. They released the cover this week. And I had a good laugh because there are two covers, one in Hebrew, one in English. And the one in English, he is obviously more photoshopped than the one in Hebrew. And I was thinking, why would the Americans need him to be more photoshopped? And then I realized it's not that. The Israelis need him to look older because if not, they're going to look at the book and be like, this is Prime Minister, this is man who working for me. He looked like he never walked day in his life. His face is like a, a, a too sick of a baby. It's perfect. There's not one line on his face. This is a guy who worked for me? I this is not fair. We need president, a strong man, like a Trump. A strong man, he say what he think, he do what he think, he eat what he think, he tweet what he think, he feel what he think. This is president. That's right. So that's probably why they made sure that Bibi looked nice and haggard on the Israeli cover. Speaking of guys who don't look haggard at all, Jared Kushner also has a book out that the New York Times, of course, is wiping the floor with. It's called Breaking History, a White House Memoir. You know what? Memoirs don't have to be good. It's like anything you share, I didn't know about. You were there, I wasn't. Literally, whatever you put on the book will be insight onto whatever was happening while I was living my little life and you were living your very big life on Trump's airplane, being the first Jewish son-in-law in the White House. So I'm reading this book, even if the New York Times calls it earnest and soulless, that Kushner looks like a mannequin and writes like one. Woo! Seriously, New York Times, you could think you have something out for the Jews. The book is like a tour of a once majestic 18th century wooden house now burned to its foundations that focuses solely on and rejoices in what's left amid the ashes, the two singed bathtubs, the gravel driveway and the mailbox. Kushner's fealty to Trump remains absolute. 
Wow, that is harsh. That is harsh. Well, Jared, you should have gone with Feldheim or Art Scroll to publish your memoir. <laughs> or you should have gone with your wife because you're just, you know, you're there to look nice and pretty and your wife is the one we're all interested in. That's right. By the way, it is pouring rain in London's Haredi religious Stamford Hill neighborhood, which is completely underwater. I mean, it's been, uh, it's, it must be raining since we left four years ago. You know what they say, England is the wettest country because the queen has been reigning there for decades. <laughs> but no, there's seriously a mobble and I'm sending my best regards from Israel where it hasn't rained in like ooh, six months now. My, my neighbor's kids drew chalk all over the driveway and I was like, why, why, why would you desecrate our driveway knowing that there's going to be no moisture in the country for another six months? It's just wrong. It's not even like your kids are good artists. You should not be allowed to do chalk art unless you know for sure it's going to rain in the next three, four days. But to do it in August <laughs> when there's no rain until November? Seriously? Let's talk about cucumbers. I don't know. Just rain, water, water, cucumbers. Okay. And Israel has the most delicious cucumbers. For the record, Israeli cucumbers, they don't come individually wrapped in plastic wrap. You get them these little adorable, cute, crunchy, individual cucumbers that, by the way, do not need to be refrigerated. This is how you keep your cucumbers dry for those of you living abroad or living on a farm. You take your cucumbers, you put them to a plastic bag, and you poke a bunch of holes in the bag, and then you put that bag in a tray in a cool, dry place. I use a tray that has holes in it. It was actually designed to be a colander for the sink, but the sink was too small, so now I'm using it as my cucumber tray. And that's it. The cucumbers don't get slimy, they stay fresh, and they do not have to be cold because cucumbers are naturally cold. I just huffed why my husband sometimes calls me his little cucumber. Hmm. So stop putting them in your fridge because nothing is grosser than a slimy cucumber. Uh, anyways, here in Israel, they are growing a new cucumber. It's a, it has a Japanese origin. It's called the Aromato, um, developed by the Israeli-based Hazera company. There are actually six types of cucumbers that are grown here in Israel. The Kirby, the Persian cucumber, the English cucumber. That's the one you see wrapped in plastic individually. It's just ridiculous. You guys are drinking from paper straws and wrapping your cucumbers. <laughs> There's a lemon cucumber. I've never seen that before. It looks kind of like short, yellow, squashed, lemony-looking cucumbers. The Japanese cucumber and the Middle Eastern cucumber, which is kind of almost like a semicircle. You see, you see them piled up in the shuk. And if you've ever been to an, an Israeli grocery store, you understand how the Jews built the pyramids because you could see a cucumber tower that's 10 feet tall. 10 feet tall. And yes, as Jews, we cannot help ourselves. We take cucumbers from the middle of the pile and then the cucumber piles on the floor and everybody's stepping on them and you get free cucumber salad. <laughs> now, I can't imagine Israel without cucumbers. It's just so part of the diet here. And did you know that back in 2014, there were heart and star-shaped cucumbers on the market? True story. An Israeli agriculture town called Ein Yahav grew cucumbers they kept the technique under wraps, and when you slice the, the cucumbers, you got a heart or star-shaped cucumber. I mean, how cute is that? Cucumbers, if you have kids, you know this. It's a gateway. They're gateway vegetables for kids who don't eat vegetables because most kids won't touch a carrot or a piece of celery, but for some reason, they'll eat cucumbers, which is so strange to me because I can't eat cucumbers unless they're in a pita with hummus and trina and onions and falafel balls and a little spicy harif and some fried onions and some raw onions and a little bit of cabbage and a little more trina and a couple of french fries on the top, which is good because cucumbers are really good for you and they will keep you cool. That's why you call people as cool as a cucumber because cucumbers really do 
cool the blood and ease facial swelling. You know, you put it on your face after a, a facial when you're doing those low-budget, bougie facials at home. Um, cucumbers have most of the vitamins you need every day. One cucumber has vitamin B1, B2, B3, B4. No, no, no B4. Sorry, no B4. B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, folic acid, vitamin C, calcium, iron, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, and zinc. Psh, all in that little Ashkenazi pickle. Um, they eliminate bad breath. Take a slice and press it to the roof of your mouth with your tongue for 30 seconds. I did not know that. Seriously, cucumbers will kill bad breath. That's awesome. They also kill stress. If you cut up a cucumber and put it into boiling water and breathe that in, you will not have a panic attack that your son only eats cucumbers and nothing else. You know, no other produce. Um, they're great for snacking. They're low calorie. Uh, they Oh, this is cool. If you have a bathroom mirror that's fogging up, you can take a cucumber slice into your shower. <laughs> <laughs> and eliminate the fog, and it'll smell like a spa. Also, cucumbers are great for hangovers. So if you are a Fleischig Magazine subscriber and you got a little carried away with their you know, mixed drinks issue this week and had one too many, a couple of cucumbers before bed, you will wake up like a new man, a new man who reads Fleischig Magazine. <laughs> just kidding. We love Fleischig Magazine and Mayor Kay, wherever he is, because we've literally lost track. We've just, we just, you know, there should be an app, Where is Mayor Kay, right about now. That, that would be a great app. Bottom line is cucumbers are really good for you and they could be used as a cleaner to remove permanent pen off surfaces like tables and walls. So if your kid writes, I hate vegetables on the wall, you can give them a cucumber and be like, well, now you're going to go erase that and then you're going to eat the cucumber after. Now, I know Dr. Oz would not be pleased with me telling my kid to eat a cucumber with chemicals on it, but I'm sorry, Dr. Oz. I can't afford fancy crudités like you can. My kids will eat whatever vegetables are on the table, whether they clean the window with it or not. Now, I don't know what Dr. Oz is running for, maybe America's favorite doctor, because that, you know, thanks to Dr. Fauci, is up for grabs. But apparently he's running for Senate. So he went to a grocery store and he filmed himself trying to look relatable and griping about the prices. And he bought a whole bunch of vegetables for a crudité, also known as a vegetable platter that his wife wanted to prepare. Plus, he bought ready-made guacamole, and he, he kind of added up to like $25. And he was just saying like, wow, this is so expensive for a crudité. So Twitter had a field day with him. Somebody made up a fake grocery store called Wegner's because that's what he said in the video. He basically mixed up two chains in Pennsylvania. One was called Redner's and one is called Wegman's. So he said he was shopping at Wegner's, a combination of both names. So a fake Twitter account came out called Wegner's and they said, well, we sell vegetable platters for $5.99 with guacamole and salsa. So vote John Fetterman. <laughs> they basically trolled Dr. Oz and Twitter got excited because we have nothing else to talk about. There is just so much noise all around us 24 hours a day, incoming content, incoming tweets and messages and WhatsApps, and it's just, it's nonstop. And that's why I am seriously thinking of picking up a pair of these glasses, even though I'm not, um, you know, deaf. <laughs> Check this out. New glasses allow deaf people to see conversations by turning audio into subtitles. Wow, what a... What a concept. A company has created augmented reality spectacles that place subtitles on conversations happening in the real world. So this guy was, you know, he saw his 97-year-old grandfather sitting quietly in a room surrounded by family during a holiday, and he couldn't join the conversation because he couldn't hear. It just got to the point where he just sits in silence, says Mr. Scarf, the inventor of these glasses. And I thought, hang on a second, he watches TV all the time with subtitles. Why can't we subtitle the world? 
This is brilliant. I mean, I'm personally a reader. I would much rather read something than listen to it or watch it for that matter. So to have glasses that just give me the text about what's going on around me, I mean, I'm not sure how they would decipher my kid screaming <laughs> or a tantrum or, you know, my mother-in-law's broken English, but, you know, they could try. And, it, and some people don't want to wear hearing aids. I don't think my grandfather wore hearing aids until literally the end of his life. He also couldn't see, so these glasses wouldn't help him. But if this is something that could work in your life, head over to xra.glass. I just realized that if you're listening, you're probably not deaf. But if you know somebody who is, xra.glass, discover more about the software that turns speech into subtitles. You plug your glasses in right into your phone. I think this is great for parents. I do. I think parents should have the capacity to just turn off the noise in their house. And if it's an emergency and you have a kid over three that could speak English, you'll know what's going on. Otherwise, you know, peace and quiet until your husband comes home. And then you just decipher what he says through the glasses because husbands always sound so much better when it's subtitles, you know? There's no misinterpreting somebody's tone or getting insulted because of the way they said something. Everything is just text. I like it. You know what else I like? Being on a diet. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, goodness gracious. I have a great sketch for you. But first, this week's episode has been brought to you by Daily Giving. Do you know that people have been messaging me to thank me for introducing them to Daily Giving? They say that the uh, emotions that rise up when they get that email every morning are actually really surprising to them. It turns out that knowing you participated in something so major with the simple click of a button is a pretty good feeling because while you were sleeping, Daily Giving was busy taking everyone's dollars. I'm talking about almost $10,100 a day and distributing it to tzedakah organizations around the world who really need the money. I mean, people tell me that they had no idea how many charities are funded by Daily Giving and, you know, you guys are making it possible. So every time one of you signs up through dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze, Jonathan sends me a, a text message. Another person signed up and together we celebrate because what could be better than bringing Am Yisrael closer to Mashiach with the mitzvah of tzedakah? You give, they receive, they give, and the circle of giving continues. Whether you give Meiser or you just want to sign someone up for their birthday or in memory of a yard site or just to do something extra for yourself in schus of something you need or something you want or something you have. Daily giving is a great way to take control of your tzedakah portfolio. See what your dollar could do at dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze so that they know I sent you. So I have been hungry now for six weeks. Yeah, yeah. which means that I'm winning this battle of the bulge. <laughs> I'm not actually hungry. What I'm doing is making sure that I don't get hungrier than a minus two and d don't overeat to a plus two. So you want to stay within that four number range. And just be more mindful when you're eating and how you're eating and all that jazz. But I don't have to tell you guys because everybody has been on a diet once or twice or 1,857 times in their life. But like anything else, the secret to succeeding in your diet or in your healthy lifestyle or whatever politically correct thing you want to call it today is laughter. And that's why I put together a list of 10 great diets that you can try today that will help you Laugh. Will they help you lose weight? Absolutely not. You're on your own. Or actually just hit up Ilanit. Her ad is in the first half of this podcast. She's amazing. 
Okay, so this is my list of great diets that I've compiled over the years. Some of them work better than others. You know, use them, practice them at your own risk. Okay, the first diet is the outer space diet, which is exactly as it sounds. It's a diet where you go to outer space because desperate times call for desperate measures. And in outer space, you weigh nothing, nothing. You cannot be overweight out of space. So if you could afford it, this is a viable option for you to beat the scale once and for all, the outer space diet. Plus, if you want to be extra strict, just for, don't bring any food with you. Just wing it. You know, you'll figure it out when you get there. You know how you go on vacation and you're just like, we'll find whatever has a hechsher on it. Number two, the buy a treadmill diet. Treadmills are amazing for burning calories, especially when you're schlepping it out of your house. You could burn an easy thousand calories trying to get rid of it. So yeah, the treadmill diet. Okay. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. Only eat foods that are fat-free, unless you're at a friend's house and the food is free. Because who are we kidding? Jews never say no to free food, okay? So you will get your fat-free food, and indeed, you will get fat for free, which is not really a diet, but it is a concept that I thought worked well with this theme. Okay, number four, the duct tape diet. What you actually do is you tear a piece of duct tape, you put it on your mouth, and voila, you're on a diet. Okay, number five, and this is a great diet, and I know for a fact that it works because there's a supermodel in America that's on this diet, and everyone's following her and it, so it must work. The Bella Hadid lie three times a day diet. So you basically lie for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, a couple of white lies and half-truths in between, you know, for snacks, and voila, you are thin as a pin, okay? It's, it's working for her, so, okay? Now, another unconventional diet is called the pet snake diet. Now, I don't recommend actually getting a snake. You could just follow someone on Instagram that has a snake. I follow someone on Instagram that has a pet snake. And every time she feeds it, I lose my appetite. Did you know that snakes eat live mice? And there's somebody on Instagram who you could watch feeding their pet. No, you didn't. But now you do. Thank you very much. Another great diet is the buns of steel diet, which is a diet that I've accidentally come across when I've made challah, you know, the dough is a little thick and heavy and voila, the buns of steel diet. You don't end up eating the challah because they're hard as a rock. A variation for the buns of steel diet is the buns of cinnamon diet or the cinnamon bun diet where you basically eat cinnamon buns all day. Does it work? No. Does it make you happy? Temporarily. And then Sunday morning rolls around and we start again. And and the goal is to be in it to win it. You want to be competitive. You want to tell yourself, I can do this. And that's how I succeeded in the 14-day diet, which I completed, by the way, in three days and 38 minutes. Huh? Talk about being a winner. And then there's the keto diet, number 10. Everybody's tried the keto diet, but you have to be... The problem is that you're not talking about it enough. And when you talk about it enough... Everybody just stays away from you. And from far, you look great. So, you know, problem solved. All right, in all seriousness, losing weight is not easy. I wish I could lose weight as easily as I lost my keys and my phone and my temper and my mind sometimes. But, you know, it's not meant to be. And I will continue hustling. And if you heard my stomach growling throughout this episode, well, this studio has very sensitive mics. So that's it for the Weekly Squeeze. Don't forget to leave me a five-star rating. Thank you, Allie, for commenting on last week's episode. It's always nice to hear back. A little feedback, positivity goes a long way. So leave a review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or just rate the show on Spotify. Hook up your friends. Keep us in the top 10 charts, and we will see you on Monday.